Hallelujah. Want only to lift out of the sixth chapter of Hebrews just a phrase because the whole subject here has to do with eternal security. We're not going into that tonight because we don't have time, but here, here we have a strange statement when it speaks of those who have tasted the powers of the world to come. And did that ever get hold of you? That's a terrific statement. He's going on to say other things about them, but I'm only concerned with the phrase itself tonight. Uh, I remember reading as a boy a little story book about the little shepherd of kingdom come. And it was about a boy in the mountains. And they named those towns up there some very marvelous names. One of them uh, appears to have been kingdom come. That's a good, good name. I like some of those. Maggie Valley. I stayed up there sometime when I was, I mean, just love those places up there in the mountain. And uh, I've been fascinated with this title. What does it mean to taste the powers of the world to come? We are living in the kingdom of this world. It began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, God. Now, the smart aleks tell us today that God didn't do it. It began with a great explosion. The only problem is who exploded the explosion? Uh, I don't get much comfort out of that uh, at all. And then we have, of course, the, uh, the creationists and the evolutionists arguing today. The creationists believes, like always, that God started it. Then you have the other fellows who say once he was a tadpole beginning to begin. Then he was a frog with his tail tucked in. Then he was a monkey in a banyan tree, and now he's a professor with a Ph.D. <laughs> that doesn't interest me a bit in the world. The, uh, we're living in a wreck of a world. God made it very beautiful, and it is in spots. Beautiful even today, but we've done our best to spoil it, and the devil has done a great deal more. And all that started when he got into the picture. It always starts trouble. And uh, sin wrecked the first creation. Uh, people wonder why we have these awful storms and people get killed and homes blown away. Was God in that? No, God never started it that way. You can't make me believe God ever started with such weather as that. I think the weather got messed up like everything else on account of the devil. And the devil used a storm to kill Job's family and Eurocliter and Paul was going on his voyage to Rome and, and trying to sink the boat Jesus was taking a nap in with the storm. Uh, I, I don't, I, the devil stirs up a lot of things that we ought to give him credit for. We ought to give him credit for whatever he's doing and that's plenty today. The lovely pictures you see sometimes of animal life, they're nice to look at, uh, but uh, underneath it all, you know very well, there's the rain of tooth and claw, and the creatures creep around in fear, and the birds look nervously in all directions, and the snake glides in the grass. The earth is rent by sin and strife and war and all, all kinds of trouble. We send men to the moon, and we can't solve the problems down here on earth. 
The kingdom of this world is a failure because the heart of man is sinful and deeply wicked. I was just in Huntsville a few weeks ago at the Space Center, and whenever you look at the marvels they have there, it's very interesting, and yet science does not have the answer to the big trouble. And the big trouble is sin. And science can't do one blessed thing in the world about sin because they don't have the answer. Our machinery's gotten ahead of our morality today. And that's the fix we're in. And even the church, as I said last night, uh, can't get to the goal because it's got too many on the team that aren't Christians, for one thing. And our greatest interference comes from our own membership. Any other organization would never make it. But God has mercy on those that do love him. And so civilization has cancer at its heart. We've got a lot of experts. I heard the other day about something. I don't think it happened, but it makes a good illustration anyhow. A fellow was lying in a hospital for brain surgery. And the story goes that they took his brain out and were working on it in the next room somewhere. He was just lying there. The story says that he got up, put on his clothes, and left. When they found him, he was an expert in Washington. <laughs> I don't wonder if that is all. I have a bit of trouble believing that. It will, the civilization is not going to hold out morally and spiritually long enough to do what it's wanting to do scientifically because we're getting rotten in the process. Man is not evolving toward a knowledge of God. He started with that and has been going the other way ever since. Tries to build heaven without God. The Tower of Babel soon became Babel and is going to end up in Revelation with Babylon. I started working on that the other day. Babel, Babylon, Babylon. That's history in three words. They built a tower, we're going to build something to heaven. Man's tried that ever since. And God always sends confusion to tongues. Every time. Now you've got Babel. And there never has been such confusion of tongues as there is now. Worldwide. It's going to end in Babylon, that city that is going to be the headquarters of Antichrist and all the rest of it. We ought to learn this. Egypt tried it, and all you've got left of that's the pyramids. And Greece tried it, and all you've got left is the Parthenon. I sat with my wife in Athens. We looked up there to the floodlights on that building. I said, honey, do you realize that old thing was standing before Jesus was born? But that's all that's left to speak of the glory that once was Greece. And then Rome, the Colosseum. About the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn anything from history. That's about all we've ever learned from it. Uh, it says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. The whole creation groans and travails in pain until now. Any man who is a citizen of this world only is a citizen, citizen of a kingdom that's doomed to die. Everything's against him. You'll never make it, brother. The kingdom of this world is under the power of the devil. He's the arch rebel who revolted against God and was cast out of heaven. The Bible plainly says that this, uh, the devil is the prince of this world what it says. And he doesn't own it, for the earth is the Lord's uh, also. Uh, Some time ago somebody stole my best overcoat in the airport right in Greensboro. You can't, I went to make a telephone call, came back and it's gone. Well, I still own it, but somebody else possesses it. 
Now, God owns the world, but the devil possesses it. That's the fix that things are in today. But thank God the day's coming when the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think about that good old black man. He was a shoe black back in those days. And he loved the Lord and had his Bible with him every time where he worked. The fellows all respected him, the businessmen in the big building, because they knew he was real. And one morning, one of the men came by and said, Well, I see you're over in Revelation. Yes, he said, stayed in Revelation. Said, do you understand the meaning of Revelation and what it's all about? Yes. Said, now wait a minute. Bible scholars have studied it for years and they have never got together about it. What do you say it means? He said, it means Jesus is going to win. <laughs> well, that's the best way you, you could get 500 theologians and they never study up a better solution than that to it. That's what it's all about. We're, we're on the winning side, friends. You'd never know it to look at some church members. You'd think everything was hopeless. But we're on the winning side, the Bible says. And it's coming. The kingdom, it, it came first in the person of the king. And then he said, the kingdom of God's within you or among you. And when Jesus came the first time, he had his sample case with him. He gave us some samples of what it'll be like when he comes back to stay in the rain. The miracles were just samples. Why didn't he heal everybody? He could have. He just healed one or two out of a crowd sometimes. No, he didn't do it all then. But when he comes back to railing room, folks won't even get sick when he's reigning and ruling over this world. When I was a boy out in the country, we used to have a book salesman come back and leave a prospectus. You know what a prospectus is? It's a book, just a few pages out of the sure enough book, but get you sort of a taste of for it, you know. The most provoking thing on the face of the earth. One page would be number three, and the next would be page 17, and you couldn't get anywhere. I made up my mind to have that new book, and he takes all the money. Hey, God, he was a good salesman. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he had his sample case with him, and he'd heal a few, and he'd raise some from the dead. Just a few little indications of what it's going to be when he comes back. Well, now, uh, uh, I, I like to think that when he was taking a nap in that boat, I was with Dr. Clyde Francisco of Louisville Seminary. He died in the pulpit some time ago. Wonderful man, wonderful Bible teacher. And he, he said something that I came home that night, one foot saying amen, the other saying hallelujah all the way home. Uh, said, you know, Jesus is taking a nap. I like these little things the Bible says about Jesus. Human, just taking a nap. He was tired. And this storm came up. The poor old apostles forgot the Son of God is in the boat with them. Do you not care that we perish? Jesus got up and said, get quiet out there. And everything said, look like a looking glass across the water in just a little bit. And then, but, but the, the good doctor said, now, have you ever thought about this? Man was given power over the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and the fish of the sea. But God never gave him power over two things, wind and water. That's right. You, we don't have power over that. We can use them sometimes. Sometimes they'll kill us. We don't have power over them. But he said this time, uh, the first Adam, it wasn't the first Adam in the boat, it was the last Adam. And what the first Adam couldn't handle, thank God the last Adam could. Because he had power over that, everything. The next time you get in a storm in your life, don't get scared to death. Say, Lord, I'm glad the last Adam's in this boat with me. And he's going to see me through. I like to think of that, friend. Poor old Simon Peter, you know, nearly everything he said in the Gospels was a mistake. 
but I'm glad he's in there because so much like me and all the rest of you. Well, nobody ever made more mistakes than he did. said, Lord, we've forsaken all to follow thee. Now what's the payoff? What do we get? Just like him. No wonder the Bible says Peter said not knowing what he said. And uh, when Jesus started walking on the water, you know, poor Simon Peter, he was up to anything. Lord, I'd like to take a little walk out there if you bid me. Come on, he said, and he got out. Now, let's be fair with him. He never walked far, but he walked farther than anybody else ever had. And down he went, Lord, help me. And when he quieted the storm, however, those disciples said, what manner of man is this that the two things we can't handle, the wind and the waves, obey him. The next time you get slow and spiritual, think about that. Not only help you. Now at present, the kingdom of God is the reign of God in the hearts of men. That's his church, of course. Nobody knows how many belong to the kingdom. Only the born again folks, I can assure you that. Not just church members. Born from above. We got a lot of statistics today. I don't pay much attention to them. Somebody said there are three kinds of lies. White lies, black lies, and statistics. And I think that's a, And I haven't got much faith in either one of them. I don't know, I don't know how, how many church members are saved, but I get awfully uneasy sometimes. Because they don't act like it. They don't show up in revival. They don't, you find them on the wrong side of the fence, hobnobbing at the wrong crowd. The crowd you run with must be your crowd. That must be where you belong. The Bible says, love not the world. Any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We are beloved pilgrims and strangers. We're pilgrims and travelers down here. We're just on our way to heaven. We're not citizens of earth trying to get to heaven. We're citizens of heaven trying to get through this world. Now you get it straight and it'll help a great deal. And when the world is so largely in the hands of the ungodly, oh, I like to think of that word Jesus said, Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't be, he, said, he said something about fear, don't be afraid. He said something about the flock. He said something about the Father. He said he's going to give you the kingdom. Uh, that takes care of everything. There won't be many. Uh, well, we uh, live in a, uh, down here on earth. We have to. This is the only place where we have a chance. And Jesus said we've been saved out of the world. We're still in the world, but not of the world. But we've been saved out of the world to go right back into the world to win folks out of the world. And that's the only business we've got in this world. That's the whole thing summed up at once. Now, what do you mean when you pray in the Lord's Prayer, when you help other folks as they pray, thy kingdom come? If I go around and ask church people, what do you mean by that? Most of them couldn't give me an answer. They, they, well, they say, Jesus coming back, that's part of what it means. But... Uh, he is going to bring in the kingdom. The kingdom came the first time in him, and he's going to come down and reign later on. I'm so glad that I have that assurance. Uh, it's just theological gobbledygook to some people today. But uh, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to come and take over. Well, what does it mean now to taste the powers of the age to come? Taste it. Uh, it means that you can taste some of the joys of heaven before you ever get there. You don't have to wait till you die. I believe some of the trees bend over and you can pull a few apples off of them right now if you want to. Assurance of salvation, that's one of them. 
uh, foretaste. That's why Fanny Crosby said, Oh, what a foretaste! That's tasting powers of the age to come. And the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible calls that an earnest, which means a down payment, first installment. That means that that's part of the assurance that he gives us of our inheritance to come. The word of God and prayer and Christian fellowship and everything else. I remember sometime in meetings, oh, out in Texas somewhere, and Dr. O'Brien of Big Spring, Texas, was preaching on Job and I was preaching other sermons through that week. And uh, I talked along this very line. And that night we got in the car, we both drove together back to the hotel, never said a word for a little while. And then he broke out saying that verse in the old song of Marching to Zion and the one that says, The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly fields or walk the golden street. Well, I didn't know that is in there. I sung it all my life. Now, you ought to get that one out and really tune up on that one. Because you can, you can eat a little bit of the fruit before you get over there. The trees do bend over the wall. wall. Scripture indicates that the world of nature is standing on tiptoe, waiting for the day when the sons of God will come in their own, when the beasts of the wild will be led by a child. There will be peace in the valley for me. I, this is bird time. I'm a bird watcher. That's one of my hobbies. And I'm waiting for the wood thrush. They haven't got here yet. Where in the world are they? They're my favorites. Best singers of all, not the mockingbird. They mimic, mimic, imitate everybody else. The, the wood thrush got his own song. And it's a good one. And I've been listening at home and listening this week, but I, I don't expect them in this weather to get out and start singing and begin the program. I nearly froze to death walking over to the cemetery to see if I could hear him. Nothing but a jaybird, and you can't kill a jaybird anyhow, so you can sing any kind of way. But I love to hear these things because they're, they're part of the message of God. Uh, this old creation longs. Have you ever stood in a quiet place and listened Maybe to a bird saying, watch the sun go down. And you were impressed but sometimes that nature is longing because it's unhappy. Some time ago in the great desert in Africa, somebody said, there's such an awful strange noise that night. And he said, what is that awful moan that lasted all night? He said, it is the desert moaning. And the whole creation groans and travails in pain, even un, uh, until now. Uh, A.T. Robertson, the great Greek scholar, said the mystical sympathy of physical nature is the work of, with the work of grace is beyond comprehension ourselves, but who can disprove it? I believe sometimes when I hear the birds saying that there's something in the note, they long in their own way and not ours. But uh, it was A.J. Gordon that said, when you draw near to a new country, you begin to see some of the driftwood out in the ocean uh, before you get there. Christopher Columbus saw it. It cheered him up. He knew he was getting close to the shore. And he said, God sends us sometimes little things to indicate that we're drawing near to some country. And he sends a little of those things. And uh, they used to sing it at Moody Bible Institute, when we shall be where we would be, when we shall be what we should be. Things that are not now nor could be, then shall be our own. 
Oh, that's a terrific verse to say. He's able to make all grace to abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency, and all things may abound to every good work. Uh, right beside my bed, I keep this, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 before me. It's on the table there too, and I've got up on the wall. One that I, I can't see it at night in the dark, but I can see the outline of it. Uh, that God will perfect that which concerneth me. God's not going to make a failure out of what he started with me. He's going to perfect me. I've told you here already about the little boy marching in out of step and with the rest of them, and they checked on him, found he had a transistor radio in his pocket and was marching to music a thousand miles away. Well, that's what a Christian's doing today. He's marching through this world to the music of heaven. Are you keeping in step much, brother? We ought to keep in step and uh, let the world know about it. Our song ought to be my wife's favorite song. She, was a, she appreciated great music, but her favorite was that little one, This World Is Not My Home. I'm only passing through. And that's, what, that's the way it was. She was passing through. And I had a sermon uh, on the great until. I preached a lot on the great... The New Testament's full of until, until I come. Kennedy. And uh, she heard it when she lay so ill, just before she went to heaven. She couldn't talk. She had a thing in her mouth to breathe through. But she couldn't scribble a little, and only I could read it. And I've got it put away. One of the last things. She said, I can't tell you what I'm going through until... Stop right there. So I'm waiting for that big until. Oh, brother, we got a lot to wait for one of these days. So, uh, the time is short and it remaineth. How does God want you to live in a time like this? Live as though. Have you ever checked on that? First Corinthians 7, 29 and 30. They that have wives as though they had none. Now, don't ask me to decipher all of that. It means Jesus must be first above the one you love more, more than anybody else in the world. Doesn't mean love her less, means love him more. Most of the folks not loving their wives enough and vice versa today. That's not what it means. They that weep as though they didn't. Don't let your troubles get you down. They that rejoice as though they rejoice not. Don't let your joys get you down. They that buy as though they possess not. Don't let your property get you down. They that use this world is not abusing it, for the fashion of this world is passing away. Friend, you don't have to be told anything about that, though. You see it passing away all the time around you, don't you? This old world is going to go to pieces one of these days. God's people ought to live as though, because you're a citizen of a kingdom that's coming. We haven't got there yet. And let's understand what God meant for their sakes I sanctify myself. We separate from this world in order to win others to it. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. Thank God for the kingdom come and the king is coming. And uh, I I don't want to just sit around and pluck a harp on a cloud somewhere all through eternity. I've worked here and I want to do something over there. The Bible says his servants should serve him. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it a lot better than I did here, I hope. And I won't ever get sick and not feel like it. I'm not going all the time just preaching when I feel like it. I'd be out of business sometime. Uh, I'm not the healthiest thing you ever saw. Got this old arthritis, my right hip, and 
doctor read a long spiel about it, degenerative process or something or other, what that is, it's sure, sure to kill you, I know. And every morning I start to get up, this part doesn't want to get up with me. I say, come on, we're all going together. <laughs> Anybody else ever feel like that? Can't all get up at the same time, not all of you. Well, I'm not worried about it. Carry my little uh, dynamite pills in my pocket. Supposed to have angina, or angina, as the doctor, my doctor, calls it. And yeah, I feel them down there. I got many things happen. Feel a pain in your chest, take one. Well, I don't take many because I forget about it. You know, there they are. I'm all fixed up, brother. So I'm not waiting till I feel like it to preach. A lot of times I don't feel like it. But be faithful unto God up to the finish. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. For faith is coped. The joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Are you tasting the joys of the world to come? You ought to remember what you are, that you're the child of a king. Do you remember that when Saul, king of Israel, his daddy sent him out, the first time you read about him, he was looking for a bunch of lost donkeys. Daddy said, you better round them up. Now, he was made to be a king, and he went for several days fooling around looking for lost donkeys when he was made to be a king. And so Samuel said, we found the donkeys, now get, let, get into the king business. And I'd like to say you don't fool around chasing lost donkeys today. I see some Christians are wasting their time on things that don't amount to much. We're children of God. We ought to spend our time the very best possible kind of way and use it to the glory of God. Oh, my pastor, former pastor in Greensboro, told a story I won't forget. He said an artist had a student. That he sent out one afternoon. He said, there's a beautiful sunset, I think, going to be tonight. I want you to paint it. And he said, you sit over yonder. I want you to do your best. Went over there and he got going on, but there was an old barn on the landscape. And he got interested in that old barn, and he spent most of the afternoon painting it and putting a red roof on it. And the master came in late in the evening and said, What is this you're doing? Well, he told him. The master said, I didn't send you over here to put a roof on a barn. I sent you over here to paint a sunset. I know people today that are fooling away their time putting red roofs on old barns when they ought to be, as it were, painting a sunset. For God, are you wasting your time for the Lord? You could amount to a lot more for him than you are. Uh, I, you don't have to be a preacher. This is required of everybody. Isaac Tekoa Falls, right after that awful uh, disaster struck down there. Oh, what a wonderful bunch of Christian young people. And they sent a man down from Washington to look over the situation, how much we needed to help them. Came back and he said, well, they'll need to rebuild. They'll need some money. But he said, they don't need a psychiatrist. Uh, they're not upset because they've got something else. He didn't say what. But he knew they hadn't something. It was the grace of God. One boy uh, sat at the table with me and said, my brother was just, I was next to him, but it didn't hit me. It came in a solid block of water. Just took him and left me. But they rose to the occasion because they were grounded in the word of God. So you don't have to wait till you get over there. How do you get into the kingdom? 
Jesus told us in Matthew 18, 3, except you be converted and become as little children, you won't make it. We got a lot of childish Christians, but I don't find many childlike Christians. Are you a childlike Christian? That's what he said. Conversion and childlikeness. Oh, we sing at Christmas, Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, be born in us today. That's a tremendous thing to say. That's what Christmas is all about. And uh, uh, we, it, it's not for uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all the rest of it, and Santa Claus and commercialism. It was for Jesus. He didn't tell us to observe it anyhow told us to celebrate his death that the Lord said we never told us to celebrate his birth. Can't find that in the Bible. We sort of made that up. Nothing wrong with it, but if we're going about it, let's do it right. Uh, well, one of these days, he's coming back to rule and to reign, and I want to be there. And uh, what the dear brother sang about a while ago, I do say that I want to get home before dark like Dad used to tell me. I'd like to get home. I've, I've prayed, Lord, I'd like to make it. If you let, let this old body hold out just a little bit longer, if it's your will, it doesn't always, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't end up that way. I went to see one of our best preachers, and I'd seen him last time. He looked like a prize fighter. He was so rugged. This time he stood there shaking with this awful ailment, and I'm sure my face registered my shock when I walked in the room. Better to be gone than to hold on like that. Oh, I think of Fanny Crosby. She could have fussed at God, Lord, why did you let him put that poultice on my eyes and as a baby and blind me for 90-odd years? And you talk about something that you can grumble about. That She could have grumbled about that. She didn't. She started writing hymns. Dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And uh, Sunday never goes by that we don't sing one or the other. And that's the way to take it when it comes. Seek it the first, but, but don't first with God. And then I said, Lord, second thing I'd like is, uh, I want to get home before I make some fool mistake the last mile of the way, and they'll remember that and forget every blessed good thing I did all the way back up the road. They'll do that. That's human nature. You just let a preacher make some big mistake last year. I said, too bad about him, not a good word about how good the man was. In fact, watch it, watch it, because the devil knows that he, he's on your trail and you can let the last year be the worst instead of the best. Then I find myself saying, fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. Stay with me whether it's sunshine or shadow, whatever it is. And I'm glad that you can claim his presence when you can't feel his presence because you've got his promise. Just count on that. The devil try to make you believe there's nothing to it. Oh, I'm homesick for heaven. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing morbid about that. Paul said that his departing be with Christ far better. Think about that fellow that's seasick. Was he seasick? Lost breakfast, lunch, and supper. He was so sick. One of these cheerful mortals it always comes along at the wrong time. Came along and slapped him on the back and said, Cheer up. Seasickness never killed anybody. Said, Don't tell me that it's the hope of dying that's kept me alive this long. 
And you know, it's the hope of dying that keeps me going, brother. You know, you say, getting all blue about that. So, but I do remember what Dad used to say. And I do say that. And he'd always see me old when I was a boy preacher and started out. See, I was small. I was only 12 and started. He went with me a little while. And I'd come in on the old train, CNNW, we called it the Can't and Never Will, down from Asheville. And uh, he'd meet me when I'd get off in Newton, North Carolina. First thing he'd ask was, how'd you get along? And as I say, I'm expecting around that last curve one of these days. When I get there, he'll be there in the robes of glory, not in that old blue serge suit that hadn't been pressed since the day he bought it. But he'll be there, and I imagine the first thing you'll see will be what he always said to him, how'd you get along? We're going to walk down the golden streets, and I'm going to say, you remember? I'm supposed to get home before dark hill. Well, bless God, we've both made it. And home before dark. Now, you want to do that tonight, I think. You want to make sure that you make it home before God. We're going to close right now, tomorrow night, God willing. I want to talk about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, it'll be my shortest sermon. That ought to be a great encouragement to come back. It'll be my shortest sermon because uh, you don't need to say a lot about that because it's so important. And I, I, if I go back, I've preached it here. I think I've, it's the one I keep on preaching. Not because the great sermon. I don't have any great sermons. But you get a man right on that, and he's right. If he's not right on that, he's all wrong. So tell somebody, because that's what crowns it all when you make Jesus not only Savior, but make him Lord. Well, be a good pilgrim, dear friend. And uh, remember that uh, the king's coming back. But you don't have to wait till you get there to start in on it now. Take some of the apples off some of the trees that lean over the wall. Get a foretaste <laughs> of the glory divine.